Mini-episode 1328 of the FDH Lounge is brought to you by Sportsology, delivering unconventional columns and webcasts about sports, TV, music, movies, and more. Follow them on the web at sportsology.com. The FDH Lounge. You want to schedule your life around it. A long time ago, on a gloomy, wet Cleveland spring night, two men stand alone amidst the late-night drizzle. Their voices echo across the vacant station parking lot as they debate the merits of the great American radio show that have been missing for far too long. On that night, an idea was born. That idea became the FDH Lounge. Welcome to the FDH Lounge. Hello, everyone. Welcome to FDH Lounge mini-episode 1328. This is FDH Managing Partner Rick Morris here. And we have a very special mini-episode here today. One of our favorite uh, friends coming back on the show with us. We've had him on to talk a number of things over the years, whether it be his own incredible life story, whether it be pro football. Uh, a lot of times, of course, there's the intersection of the two because uh, when you're talking about Vernon Turner, you can't talk about one without the other. Uh, pro football such a huge part of his life story. And uh, we'll get to that as well, uh, the latest chapters and developing the process of getting that story out there to the world in the biggest way possible. And uh, Vernon, of course, is here with us today to talk about uh, the biggest game of the year. Uh, it is the Super Bowl coming up here. It is Super Bowl 55, and it is a dream matchup in many senses of the word here when you've got uh, the Kansas City Chiefs and the Tampa Bay Bucks. You, you have two of... I think it's probably not too early to say two of the all-time great quarterbacks. I almost think we could put Patrick Mahomes there already based on what he's done. And I, there was an assessment of his career uh, that I have seen that somebody made that I'd like to run by uh, Vernon. But with uh, no, no further ado here, I'd like to bring on our good friend, our longtime buddy, uh, Vernon Turner, to talk about this longtime uh, NFL player, author, and uh, inspirer and motivator to all. Vernon Good to have you on, my friend. Uh, thanks for having me back, Rick. It's an honor to chop it up with you. I appreciate it. It's always a lot of fun. You have a great perspective on things uh, from having played the game and having come at it from uh, a unique angle when you were playing the game. And uh, as far as uh, I just teased it a second ago here, Patrick Mahomes, there was something very intriguing that I heard said about him. I, I, I find some of these cross-sport comparisons sometimes to be very interesting. And uh, in terms of looking at his three years as a starter, if you look, if you leave aside the year where he was essentially redshirting behind Alex Smith, but as far as first three years, I've seen it said, and I wish I could remember where I, where I read this, maybe the greatest three-year start to a career of any athlete since the player who was known at the time as Lou Alcindor, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. How about that as a thought? <laughs> well, I, I, I will say this. This young man um, is creating a new blueprint for a mindset and a hunger and it just flat out joy for the game. I mean, he's got all three components rolled up into one. And even if you don't root, if, you, if, if Kansas City Chiefs is not your favorite team, uh, this young man ends up being your favorite player because you just can't turn your eyes away from this guy. He, he, he has the ability, the uncanny ability, no matter what's going on, he, he, he flips a switch and he becomes one of the best competitors you will ever lay your eyes on. So even though 
this play. He's going to do something man, spectacular on that play. He's going to do a no-look throw on that. I mean, it's just an, he's a he's a human walking highlight film. He really is, and he's one of the guys here in, in the league. I always have thought in recent years that if you were going to talk about the NFL and if, if you were going to do a, a book on the transformation of the NFL in recent years, uh, the, the title might perhaps be, That Bleep Won't Work on Sundays. Because I know that's what we always thought, or not not me personally necessarily, but uh, the, the, the brain trust in the NFL that, oh, too many of these spread theories and these gimmick offenses from college, and oh well, that's that's cute for college, but uh, you know this this kind of thing won't work at the pro level. Uh, and you, you have Patrick Mahomes coming in and being asked to do a lot of the things that he did at Texas Tech, and and he's really been, I think, a transformational player in this league. Uh, the spread offenses in recent years that was already kind of a trend as far as being wide open. Uh, but what Andy Reid has been doing in this latest chapter of his career with Patrick Mahomes and, and being willing to embrace these modern concepts and a lot of these things that originated in college and working on Sundays, uh, you know, I, I think, again, they're, to me, they're, they're the poster child of the modern offense, not just because of the great player in Patrick Mahomes, but the willingness schematically to let him be everything he can be. Well, what, what, I, find it, uh, what I find it unique and and refreshing as far as watching a team like the Kansas City Chiefs. Though you have marquee players, superstar players on one team, you don't have the egos. You don't have the prima donnas. You don't have the, you know, the eye in, in any of those guys. They're all team-based concept players. So happens that they're all, most of them are superstars. Sure. You don't see that. That's the reason why they will win when they win and they will be in the position that they're in, you know, for the next probably several years because you don't have those individuals they that act like individuals. You know, even Patrick Mahomes, the, the way he carries himself, the way he is, his work ethic, and the way he carries himself. I mean, this team-based concept. It's not, he's not a prima donna. And that's when you get what you get with the Kansas City Chiefs. So, um, it's, it's, it's refreshing. It really is because I'm not an, I'm, I'm not an I guy. I'm a we guy. Mm-hmm. So to have and, and watch a, a, a team that is comprised of those type of elite athletes and you cannot single one out as being a prima donna, I, I tell you what, they're doing it. They, they, they have the blueprint for success right now. They really do. It's a remarkable story what they've been able to put together there in the last couple of years. And uh, it's a situation where it, it was a thing where you go back a couple of seasons uh, to the AFC Championship game, the last uh, playoff loss that Kansas City had two years ago. Uh, and it was to New England, led by Tom Brady at the time. And that was a game where uh, people wondered if it might be uh, perhaps a passing of the torch game, and it wasn't. And uh, as far as whether it'll be Sunday or not, I mean, Patrick Mahomes, to me, is already holding the torch after last year. But as far as how these guys shape up all time, uh, him and Tom Brady, uh, it's a, a similar situation. I think when you look at Tampa Bay, what Bruce Arians has put in there, uh, the weapons that they have, the additional weapons that they've gone out and gotten, aside from Brady, when you add a Gronk or an Antonio Brown to the mix when you already had uh, Mike Evans and uh, a couple of these guys in there uh, able to do what they were doing. Uh, it's it's just remarkable 
what they can do. Uh, they would perhaps have a little bit of an edge, I, I think, in the run game, but uh, maybe it's just that they're a little bit more willing to commit to it. I've been a little bit critical of them coming into the playoffs for having kind of a uh, an identity crisis at running back. Uh, you know, Ronald Jones the third being a guy a good chunk of the regular season, now Fournette in the postseason. Uh, but uh, they appear to be making me eat my words on that because Fournette has been very uh, effective and they appear to be committing to him for right now. So even if they flip-flop back and forth between two backs with two different kinds of styles, it doesn't seem to be holding them back. And uh, I know there have been some critics out there that have pointed to the role that Luck has played for Tom Brady in this postseason here and the self-destructiveness of their opponents. And I do think there is something to be said for that. But you get into a game like this, and it almost carries its own mystique to it. You know, if you're Kansas City, you don't want to be in the position of waiting for uh, Tom Brady perhaps to get lucky. Maybe a tipped ball becomes an interception. Yeah, you, you could almost kind of get in your own head almost if, if you're afraid that he is going to get lucky. Well, what I find interesting in this, in this game, uh, uh, it, well, let me, let me speak on the Buccaneers. Yeah. Uh, they, it, it, it almost seems like with each game they were finding out one another. They were, mm -hmm. they were figuring out one another's uh, idiosyncrasies, their, their their rhythms, their patterns, the whole nine. And it's, and it's fascinating because if you look from game one to, 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 to the game that we're about to see now, you're going to see these guys, they have gelled. They know each other better than they, they know they, their own family members. And they're, they're going, this is going to be one of the best, I think it's going to be one of the best people because you got the you got the goat, and you got to call him the goat when you go to the Super Bowl ten times. Mm -hmm. You got to call him a goat. Yeah. So he—it's not like this is his first rodeo. This is his tenth or eleventh rodeo. Right. So he knows what the hell to expect. He knows what mind frame he has to be in. And the thing that is that, as iconic as he is, you're not going to find a more uh, grounded, level-headed guy who doesn't put himself first. Right, and that, and and as a leader like that, everyone else, no matter who you are, it doesn't matter if it's Gronk or Antonio Brown, whatever history they had in the past, as far as on and off the field, they those guys are going to follow this this this, this, this Tom Brady. They're going to follow him, right? In, in in every aspect, and that's what has happened. You have not heard a word from Antonio Brown. All he's kept his head down, kept his mouth shut. And he and he balled and he's balling. Yeah. So that gives, I'm telling you that I take I give credit to uh, Coach Aaron and and Tom Brady for that for that alone. So my uh, getting back to that whole team the game in it in itself, this is going to be one of the best Super Bowls. I think it's going to come down to the last possession. I think they're going to try to play keep away. You know, uh, both sides have have elite tools that can score at any moment. And I truly feel that um, the, the defensive coordinator and the head coach is going to be in the same mindset in regards to keep their offense, the uh, the opponent's offense, off the damn field. You know, and, well, they're going to have to. The offense is going to say that the offense coordinators we've got to keep their uh, opponent's offense off the field. Right. And to do that, you've got to have ball control. So you're going to probably see that. And unless something happens and that, and somebody gets uh, you know a, a, a jump start, you're gonna get you're gonna see them play ball control because both offenses can light it up in one play right. and turn the game around. So 
It's going to be a nice chess game. It really is. And I think it's going to come down, I'll be honest with you, it's going to come down to special teams. I truly feel that the special team is going to probably be the game winner in this game, whether it be a punt return, a punt block, a kick return, or a fumble, muff punt, muff kick, whatever. But it's going to turn, it's going to come down to maybe a field goal, but special teams is going to be the highlight of this game. Well, yeah, and when you look at that, I'm looking at the DVOA numbers from Football Outsiders. Uh, Neither team particularly sterling. Kansas City 17th in special teams DVOA this year, Tampa Bay 26th. I'll tell you this, man, I I think if Tampa Bay, if they end up winning the Super Bowl on a punt return for a touchdown, I'm going to keep my ears curled for a loud shout coming from the Houston area, Vernon, because I think <laughs> I think there's going to be somebody marking out like a mofo for that one, and I, I fully expect the announcers to say, you know who the first guy in Tampa Bay history to do that was, don't you? <laughs> well, what's funny about that is, is that, it, you know, people when people think special teams, they think kickoff return, pump return, yeah. uh, you know, uh, and field goals. You know, they don't yeah. understand that. You know, you got you got punt blocks, you got muff punts, you got you know you got all sorts of other aspects of special teams. You know, getting you know making a tackle inside the ten sure. on, a, on a special teams play. Those are huge. Sure. So I think something big is going to happen in special teams that's going to define uh, the the course of this game. So right. um, I'm, I'm I'm a big I'm a I'm a big rooter for special teams anyway. So, but I truly think under these circumstances, because special teams hasn't been the the, the highlight of any of these teams uh, past you know uh, the the past season, I think it's going to come to a head this game. I think so as well, and I second what you're saying about the offenses here and the schematics. And as a guy who who is fascinated by the the, the X's and O's. I think the choices that are made uh, really are going to be the destiny on Sunday because I look back a year ago, and I remember telling you during the Super Bowl recap that during my preview, I successfully identified what Kansas City would need to do to win, but I picked San Francisco to win because I didn't think Andy Reid would do it. I I thought Kansas City would have to commit to the run more than they were used to doing in the first half of the game because I thought if San Francisco dominated time of possession on them, they'd just grind them into the dust. And actually, the opposite happened. Kansas City was the fresher team in the second half because they committed to the run in the first half. Andy Reid did what I didn't think he'd do. It worked out perfectly. A year later, I can't say that the call is real easy for either team on what they should do. You look at Kansas City, they're 17th at time of possession, Tampa Bay's 24th. Neither of them, again, much like with the special teams DVOA ranks, in time of possession, neither of them particularly strong, but neither of them really puts as much of a premium on it because they both know they can score quickly. So this is going to be one of these things where, uh, yet again, with Eric Fisher going down for Kansas City, this is going to be the second game in a row where Tampa Bay hasn't had to worry about playing the franchise left tackle in a big game. So uh, it might be a little harder for Kansas City to run. Uh, it probably won't be much harder to get to uh, Mahomes because he's good at the quick release on that. But if you're looking at a lot of screen passes, I would think, by both teams, that that could be a way to do it, uh, you know, short of outright committing to the run. Or maybe particularly if you're Tampa Bay and you have 
Fournette. Maybe you commit to the run early a lot. Maybe you try to wear down Kansas City because uh, you have the knowledge, you have the luxury of knowing that Tampa Bay on the other side of the ball is pretty good at stopping the run. So, you know, again, Tampa Bay 24th in time of possession, but, you know, a year after I said Kansas City's got to go counterintuitive to win this thing, I do almost wonder a year later that Tampa Bay, do they see an opportunity to gain the upper hand on Kansas City with time of possession since they're hard to run on? Uh, it, it, it'll, it'll really be fascinating to see which way the coaches go because with all the weapons that are there, Vernon, you can go any number of ways. And, and you hit it right in the head. There's just so many weapons on both sides as far as on both teams, yeah. especially, Kansas, especially Kansas City. Kansas City, uh, they can do, I'm going to be honest with you, they can do whatever the heck they want to do in yeah. regards to. They can go, go play action because there is a bona fide threat in their, in their run game. Yep. Uh, and not only with the running backs, they 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 do that speed that that speed option with the wide receivers yes. around the end, and every one of them are Olympic track uh, timers. Mm-hmm. So my thing is is that you know it's it I think Kansas City Kansas City is going to have a lot more um, toys to play. They have a lot more toys to play with. Okay, let's just keep it real. Sure, they have a hell of a lot more toys to play with on offense. Now, can now now as far as Buccaneers are concerned. I honestly, I'm making a prediction that they're going to do a hell of a lot of play action, uh, high percentage passes. Okay. High percentage passes to get the linebackers uh, on their heels, and then they're going to smash them with Leonard. Okay. And, and, and the backs. So then he's, they're going to basically go opposite. Usually you do a lot of run, run, run to set up a pass. I truly think that they're going to do the, the high percentage pass to set up the run, and um, I, and I'm just 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 keep that in your mental rolodex. What I'm saying to you, as you watch the game, watch the Tom Brady do a lot of high percentage between five and twelve yards. That's the high percentage uh, distance of passes, and it, and and he's going to just pop him and get it out of his hand, out of his hand, and three step out of his hand. We step out of his hand. Next thing you know, they're going to be giving it to to the backs, and it's going to be open because now the linebackers are going to be in the heels, thinking about the five, the, 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 the five to eleven uh, yard passes. So just watch watch this. Just watch how it plays out. But I think it's going to it's going to be a nice chess game. But I think that's how they're going to come out coming out of the gate. Well, that 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 really is a clip and save uh, analysis right there. Yeah, to see how this plays out, to see how closely it comes to what you just said, and, and I I agree with you on that. And I, I I also agree with you on Kansas City with the weaponry, and and it's really remarkable because of the depth that Tampa Bay has. The fact that we could be saying these things when you're looking at the weapons at uh, Tampa Bay. We've talked about the running backs. Uh, and again, between them, it's a nice thunder and lightning combo, if nothing else. Uh, wide receivers, uh, Godwin and Evans, and then you put Gronk in the mix, and Antonio Brown, Cameron Braid, I think, actually popped up once or twice during the playoffs here. So, you know, they got a lot to work with as well, but I agree with you on Kansas City. And uh, I have to give you this stat, courtesy of the Captain Comeback blog. Uh, Scott Kazmar, who is uh, such an excellent football writer, uh, this is something that's unbelievable. When a team scores first and when they don't. NFL averages since 2018, a team wins 60.8% of the time when they score first, 39.2% of the time when they don't. So it's important, unless you're Kansas City, because Patrick Mahomes 
is 23 and 5, 82.1% when they score first, 21 and 4, 84% when they don't score first. So <laughs> if they fall behind, and we've seen it, we've seen what they can do as far as just flipping a switch. And, and when you're looking at any potential holes in the game here, as far as, again, the, the health of their running backs has been up and down, but I can tell you from grim memory here, watching my Cleveland Browns get chewed up on the ground by them a couple weeks ago here, uh, that was not something I particularly expected. I expected all to be damaged to be done by uh, Mahomes through the air, but Kansas City proving even in that game they can run the football when they want to. Again, albeit they had a functional a fully functional offensive line at the time. We'll see what it's it's like without Eric Fisher in there because for anybody that's looking for any of the breaks that Tom Brady's gotten over the years, the the, the possibility of Tampa Bay's defense getting to Mahomes on a more regular basis. We saw it happen to Aaron Rodgers, what happened uh, when he didn't have his left tackle in the NFC Championship game, albeit as great as Rodgers has been, I think it's a bigger hill to climb, uh, no pun intended, to do that to Patrick Mahomes. So, yeah, this is just a thing here where it really has the potential to be really such a video game uh, kind of a feel to it here as far as what these offenses are able to do. And that is notwithstanding, like I said, Tampa Bay being elite defensively, at least at stopping the run, and, and Kansas City being at least good enough defensively. I said a year ago, they remind me of New Orleans the year they won the Super Bowl. The key with New Orleans was just get that defense to the middle of the pack and a defense that could be opportunistic and make some plays for you, but you don't have to be great with an offense like that. you got to get to the middle of the pack, and Steve Spagnuolo has helped carry them to that point, Tyron Matthew being in there and being such a great player, and they have a handful of other great players in there. They, they just have to be at a certain level, but both of these defenses, I think, obviously have to be the best version of themselves on Sunday. I absolutely agree, and i tell you what, if the Tampa Bay Buccaneers pull this off, uh, it's going to there's going to be one coach that's going to be handed the game ball. Mm -hmm. Who, which coach do you think that's going to be? Are you going to say Byron Leftwich? No. Okay. High bowl. Oh, okay. Yes, because he is going to have to be as creative and as disguisable as he possibly can to get to this young man, Patrick Mahomes. And if he does do that, then they have the, they have the kryptonite. That's the kryptonite. Mm -hmm. you, he cannot recognize, he cannot... He has to be incognito, 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 I'm sorry. He's going to have to be to where Patrick Mahomes is going to have a hard time disguising, I mean, recognizing uh, the, the coverages and the blitz pickups, the, the whole nine. He's, he's going to have to be extremely creative. And if he, if he can pull that off and, and disrupt this young man in a way on a consistent basis, the one, the one thing about Patrick Mahomes, though, He's like a magician. I mean, and, and the way that he can talk, can talk himself to throw a football with accuracy, you know, when the normal quarterback won't even think twice about, wouldn't even think about doing, Todd Balls is going to have to, and if he does, if he's able to do this, and that is throw a package at Mr. Mahomes that, that, that confuses him, yeah, he'll be given a game ball. I would agree with that, yeah. I mean, because there are not many coordinators over a period of time, defensive coordinators, that have been able to do that. And generally, the key to beating Kansas City is simply to outscore them. But I agree with you. It won't be that simple on, on Sunday, because uh, I think if, if you're 
Kansas City and you're count, or if you, I'm sorry, if you're Tampa Bay and you're counting on winning 52-49, I don't think that's the way to go. There, there has to be some amount of control of Tampa Bay that is uh, mixed into there. And uh, this is a thing where I did talk about this uh, going into the playoffs here, uh, this, this notion, because, uh, again, when you look at uh, the numbers from uh, Football Outsiders, the DVOA numbers, uh, and some of the other rankings here, uh, Tampa Bay actually ranks higher in a lot of categories, obviously not offensive DVOA and offensive yards, but in many categories, uh, counterintuitively, they do rank higher than Kansas City. And this is something that I talked about because I thought I could see some familiarity, another cross-sport comparison here, the whole thing of Kansas City potentially just flipping the switch. And I said, you know, you don't see it as much in the NFL, but I said from particularly the last four years for my Cavs that LeBron was back here, I'm telling you something. We all just marked the 82 games as something to get through. I mean, obviously the Christmas games against Golden State were special, but, you know, just get us to May and June and whatever. And I said, I think we're seeing this with Kansas City a little bit, too. I said, keep in mind the fact they went 14-1 and in games they tried in. I don't count the last week where they didn't start Mahomes and half these guys. They went 14-1 and the rest of the year, and we're still talking about a team flipping the switch. But they won a lot of close games. You know, maybe they didn't get as many style points as the experts thought they should have, but I was somebody that gave credence to the whole flip-the-switch notion coming into the playoffs, and I gotta say, thus far, Vernon, I feel vindicated, and that really is kind of what points me in the direction of my pick on Sunday. Uh, because I think that's exactly what they have done. And we're talking about Patrick Mahomes also coming off of a concussion in the Cleveland game, as well as turf toe that he's playing through. Didn't look like either one hobbled them all against Buffalo. The notion that Kansas City still had another level to get to in the postseason is something I believed in, and I think we've seen it. Yeah, I don't know what the odds are in Vegas in regards to the point spread Kansas City winning. Mm-hmm. But um, my thing is, is that they do, they are unbelievably dangerous. They yes. are. And the thing of it is, is that this they have a leader, a guy at the helm. You won't get, you got the two most competitive human beings at the quarterback spot playing in the Super Bowl. Yep. Okay. Two of the most competitive, the most iconic individuals at the quarterback helm playing at the best, at the highest game, the, the, the top game in NFL football, getting ready to play on Sunday. So my thing is, is that, I'm going to be honest with you, I don't know what the heck to expect at this point because, you know, Tom Brady showed his showed his value. The last three years, if, if, if he, this, this young man, Patrick Mahomes, if he, if for whatever reason, if he retired, or if he had an injury, God forbid, that prevented him from playing anymore, the three years that he played, he would probably be the first human being to be considered to be inducted in the Hall of Fame. I agree. You know, that's how good this kid has been playing, and that's how good he is. So, uh, and you got, you got to love both guys. Now, people hate Tom Brady. Some people hate Tom Brady because of the Kansas, because of being a uh, uh, a New England Patriot for so long and winning all those dance balls. Right. So people are drinking a lot of haterade and don't want him to go to another team and win a Super Bowl right off the cuff. They don't want him to have that 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 amount of fortune. Okay. Uh, my thing is is that I want him to win for two reasons. One and one, he's playing on a, a team that I hold near and dear to my heart. Sure. 
that I was once a part of, and in my heart I will always be a part of. And the other reason why is because I'm sick and tired of people saying the only reason why he won the Super Bowls is because of Bill Belichick. Sure. So I would want him, and the fact that he's doing it, he's about to do it, on the very first year that he came into onto this team, I wouldn't, I'm a, I'll make another prediction, I wouldn't be surprised if he, if he won this game, he call it a day. And, mm. and, and rides into the sunset. Okay. And leaves and leaves on top. Because what else would he have to prove? Other than other than and this is a big what if, he just loves playing the damn game. Right. That's the only other reason why he would stick around because he has absolutely nothing to prove in playing anymore. Right. You know? So unless he just loves the game and he just loves to compete. If he wins this game, I would not. It would not shock me if he announces his retirement a couple of weeks after. Well, you know, an an old teammate of uh, of yours, uh, John Elway, who like Tom Brady is not much more popular in my hometown of Cleveland than that. But uh, <laughs> you know, he went out on top. Brady did. And I gotta say too. I mean, as somebody where uh, anybody that's from America's North Coast uh, pretty much doesn't like anything Boston. So I'm going to plead guilty to a lot of what you were saying there. When it comes to Tom Brady haterade, I'll take mine in fruit punch, please. But uh, you know, I mean, I'll put my heart on my sleeve. I'm that guy, you know. But I, I can't, I can't deny the greatness. I'm not going to sit here and uh, you know say that this isn't what it is as far as him and Mahomes and and, and a, a potential matchup for the ages. I will say this, and this is a thing where, and this is maybe a little bit far afield from what we're talking about here, but. As far as this happening uh, during a pandemic, and uh, obviously there's the protocols, Kansas City is flying in kind of late for this one. Normally a team would be there a whole week, and obviously Tampa Bay is the first team ever to host being in a Super Bowl. But the notion of TV ratings for this one, I've been hearing people say, oh, because a lot of these things have been a little lower during the pandemic, whatever. For those of us that aren't going to Super Bowl parties this year, I mean, theoretically, I mean, regardless of the matchup, theoretically, wouldn't there be more TVs on because more of us will be at home instead of being at parties, plus you factor in the matchup of these two quarterbacks? So for everybody that's guessing low on this one, oh, I, think it, I think it could make it just over $100 million. I think there's still a chance it could be one of the higher-rated ones of all time, you know, perversely because of the pandemic as well as the uh, the matchup with the quarterbacks involved. Uh, how do you see that, Vernon? It's not a it's not a possible it's not a it's not a second thought. This is going to be probably be the most watched Super Bowl. Uh, it'll be one of the top five because okay. because of the because of the condition that we're in. Sure, because you can't go out. It's well, it, it's highly frowned upon to be out in a congested packet, packed area. So that means that everybody is going to grab their family members and close friends, yep. and they're going, to, they're going to go to their homes, and they're going to watch, they're going to turn the television on. So it's going to be one of the most viewed uh, Super Bowls or, or sporting events. Uh, and it's, I, I, I truly predict it's going to be in the top five because of the conditions that we're in. People think that, oh, you you got to have big parties, and that's when you're going to have the most showing. No, I, I disagree with that because if you're not in a if you're not in a bar, if you're not in a like at a party, where the hell are you going to be? You're going to be at home, in right? The television, yeah, right. Yep. So yeah, and in fact, people are going to cherish that even more because they're going to be in the confines of their homes. They don't have to do any driving. Right. They're probably going to have a little bit more spirits than they normally would. Sure. 
So, you know, I, I truly feel it's going to, if not, if not going to be high, it's going to be even higher. I don't, I, don't, I just don't see it being a low viewing uh, uh, event. I just don't. It's going to be one of the highest viewing events, uh, all time top five, I think. Watch. Yeah, like I don't know what people are, are seeing that we're not seeing, because I agree with you on this. I'm thinking, like, why would this be lower just because, and I, and I know that some of the ratings for some of the playoff games here have been a little bit lower, but this is the Super Bowl, this is the big one, it's going to be, you know, less Super Bowl parties means more TVs on watching the Super Bowl at home, I would think. Yeah, I, well, we'll see if we're right and the rest of the world's wrong. I think we are. Uh, well, so I'll tell you, I, I'll say this much also, you got to look at it this way as well. If you had to name a company that has benefited the most during this pandemic, if you had to guess, what company do you think it would be? I'd probably say Amazon. Streaming company, yes. Okay, the yeah. Streaming companies have been crushing it. Yes. Absolutely crushing it. Yeah. In regards to uh, making money, and it's because people had to stay home. Why is that? Why is it? Why would it be different for the Super Bowl, one of the largest sporting events in the world? Why do you think that would be any different? It, it, that's a rhetorical. It won't be any different. Right. Well, you know what I mean. I, I agree, and and in light of uh, what we want to uh, mention here, subsequently uh, as as we go full circle here after we make our game picks. Uh, about uh, your participation with Hollywood. I'm going to tread lightly on taking a shot at anybody, but I'm going to say this. Queeby saying we went out of business because of the pandemic? Are you kidding me? How the heck do you not launch a streaming service and make the most of it during a pandemic? I mean, that's one of these things here. I, I just, I thought that was an absurd explanation here. Like, if you're a streaming company, you are the one thing that, that is really benefiting during a pandemic. What's awful for humanity is good for you if you're a streaming company. Yes, and I tell you what, 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 it, and what this pandemic also did, it resurrected another industry mm -hmm. um, that uh, I can see it potentially booming uh, within the next two to three years, and that is drive-in theaters. Yes, you know, yes. Um, I think they're going to modernize it and 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 put the high techy techy to it, and you'll see a new version of drive-in movie theaters that um, that's going to that's really, really going to take off. So, um, yes, we've been through some major, major stuff. We've had to live in a way that did not have a blueprint. Um, we did not know what to do. But as the time goes on, you know, we prevail. We prevail and we, we improvise. Right. And we find a new way of doing things. And then now, some of those things that we had to improvise and, 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 and do new, it's going to probably become the norm. Uh, because we didn't realize that we were capable of doing it. So some some good things are going to come out of this pandemic. A lot of too too much tragedy. Yes. But it's going to be some good things to come out of it as well. So one of the things is is that I truly feel that this uh, this sports was a savior. I mean, if if they had they had they cut sports out completely for uh, an, an extended period of time, no telling what would have happened. So I'm just so blessed and happy that sports did come back when it did. You know? I agree with you on that. It has been a blessing to have it around in all the different weird forms that it's been over the last 10 to 11 months. And uh, one way or another here, uh, the NFL did make it to the finish line, and they make it with uh, one of the biggest possible matchups that there could be. I, I think you could argue that if it was Green Bay against Kansas City and it was Rodgers against 
Uh, Mahomes, I think it would at least be the equal of that, given the MVP caliber year that Rodgers had as well as Mahomes. But either way, the NFL couldn't lose as long as it was one of those teams playing KC. I look at it here, and again, I'm not going to make the mistake I did a year ago of picking against Andy Reid with all the weapons here. I'm going to say 34-27 Chiefs, so I'm going to say they cover the uh, the three and a half. And uh, based on what you're saying, it sounds like, so my total is 61 there, as my back-of-the-envelope math tells me that. 61 combined points almost sounds low compared to what you seem to be hinting at as far as what you think the uh, the outcome could be score-wise. Well, I, I think it's going to come down to a, a field goal. Okay. And I think what's going to happen is um, that Kansas City Chiefs are going to make a mistake by giving Tom Brady the ball inside of two minutes with, with two timeouts left. Okay. And and uh, I think it's going to be 34-31, the score, and Tampa uh, prevails. Uh, but coming out of the gate, though, um, it's not going to look that way. It looks like it, it's going to look like a landslide. Kansas City is going to go up maybe 10 possibly 13 points uh, right out of the gate. And you're going to think, oh, crap, here we go. And then the next thing you know, it's gonna, we're going to think going to make some plays on defense. Uh, I think Todd Bowles is going gonna, is gonna to go from, uh, from, from cute, then attractive, and then he's going to go sexy on them <laughs> as far as his defense. And the sexy is going to get him out of a hole. It's going gonna, it's gonna to turn the game around. Okay. The sexy defense is going to turn the game around. And I, I, I think, I, again, I think it's going to be 34-31. I could be wrong, but I just got that feel. It's just, it's, it, the script is too amazing for as far as for Tampa Bay, uh, as far as for uh, Tom Brady. And, and also, I'll be honest with you, you know, the guys like like the uh, Antonio Brown, yeah. who, who, who basically dug himself literally a hole in itself. And he ate... Well, I guess a few months he ate some humble pie. Right. And he had Tom Brady, who had unconditional love for that young man. Right. And he's showing appreciation by just balling and 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 doing what he's supposed to be doing, and that's a credit. You know, I right. number one, I I I, I give I got to give credit when credit's due to the young man. He turned it around, and he's giving love and praise to the people who helped him. So it's a storybook that has to end with the Buccaneers winning. That's the reason why they're going to win. I mean, it, that <laughs> from a story perspective, I can't argue with that. Uh, and, and again, uh, who would uh, proving once again that I have a PhD in uh, doing uh, segues here? When it comes to stories, of course, nobody can beat yours, Vernon. And uh, when we're talking about uh, the star power on the respective offenses of this uh, team, nothing beats the star power that is lined up behind you in telling said story. So uh, I'm laying it on thick here, but here we go. So we, we always... We, <laughs> well, Vernon, I am nothing if not a ham. I always hope it's on the right and entertaining side of being a ham. But, uh, you know, that's... You know, again, it's it's an incredible thing the way that it's developed over the years, and from the first time I have you on in 2011, it's been a, a thing of, 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 you know, just tracing this incredible journey of you having gone public with your story. Uh, it just it, one of the most unbelievable, I, I, to me, it's the most unbelievable sports underdog story I've ever come across, because first and foremost, it's a life story, and everything, and, and sports was basically, you know, football specifically, a means to an end for salvation on a personal level and a family level. 
and uh, it's just been such a pleasure over a period of time. I know there's been some twists and turns, but to finally have the lineup behind you uh, that's going to help uh, get this thing across the finish line. Uh, obviously, I know we're all sitting here during quarantine and uh, wishing that uh, things would come together quicker and things would go, but uh, you got everything pointing in the right direction, my friend, and, and that's what matters most. Well, it, uh, when everything's said and done, I'm probably, you know, I just finished a, a second book. It's called Beyond the Limit. Mm-hmm. It won't be released until we get the, uh, the film project further along. But, uh, you know, I'm probably going to write a third book on the journey to getting this project into a feature film because you talk about some, some adventures and, and the people come across uh, that the roller coaster twist and turn. It just, you have to go through this industry. I mm-hmm. tell you, it's, um, you have to have a different type of, of, of strength, mental strength. <laughs> I tell you, you know, I'm very blessed and lucky, you know, as right now to, 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 uh, to just to do a small recap. We are currently, um, we sent, I can't tell you the, the individuals, but we did send a few offers out as far as, um, um, the talent offers and, um, what the one of the one talent that's that's already been publicly announced in that is Gabriel Union should be playing my mom. Mm-hmm. But I do have an amazing um, an amazing uh, production team uh, with Gabrielle and her husband um, Dwayne Wade and Sierra and her husband Russell Wilson and uh, not to mention uh, the existing uh, uh, producing partners and, uh, from Magic Out Production and that is. Josh Serkin and Greg Gursky, and you know those guys have been amazing as well. So we we got a core group that uh, has never altered or never blinked an eyelash, even with the pandemic. Even right. though it, it it paused everything completely, the whole industry was paralyzed for for a month on end, and we finally started rolling again and putting things together. And I'm very extremely optimistic in regards to getting some more announcements. Uh, uh, done within the next couple of weeks. We should uh, make another more uh, global announcement with the project. So uh, it's not a matter of if this thing is going to get done. It's just a matter of when. Now, partly of that is because the the team that we have. The reason why I'm saying that, and the other reason is that that's just how I'm built. Right. I'm I'm like a pit bull. If he had to put me in a, in a form of an animal, he would have to describe me as a pit because I never quit. Right. And I would, you know, I, that is, quitting is not an option. Uh, quitting on this project or this project failing is not an option. So it's just a matter of when. So um, I, I, I'm very, very happy and scared at the same time because, yes, my life is about to be reincarnated into something that. I hope I'm prepared for when they actually view it on the screen. You know? Yeah, we've we've talked about that on the show before, and, and probably a little bit off air as well. And yeah, I mean, I. I honestly don't know how you go through the process of, of even mentally preparing for that. And, uh, you know, this is a thing where, uh, again, as somebody who, uh, you know, my, my mom lived to somewhat 
of an older age than your mom, but we, we both lost them prematurely. So to put myself in your shoes, I mean, not forget about all the other stuff on there, but just to look and to see your mom being portrayed and whatever. Yeah, I, I, I honest to God, from my perspective, don't know how you would prepare for that. But the thing I am confident of at the end of it is uh, there will be some things that will be difficult for you to sit through, but I do believe from my perspective of knowing you, Vernon, that in the end, you're going to come out of it feeling a lot more inspired and happy and proud and just everything like that at the end of the process, I would think. Well, for several reasons, I will. Because that's the one jackpot that I hit uh, right at the start of this project, and that is landing an individual by the name of Brad Gann. Uh, Brad Gann uh, wrote uh, Invincible and so tremendous writer and uh, became a, a really good friend and we spent countless amount of time together while he was writing the script and he wanted to hear from me on my my vision uh, and my take on the project and where I wanted to go and I told him that you know I just want to be able to help as many people as I possibly can before I leave this earth that's one the other thing is that I want to share uh, my my mom's And that's the thing, too. But, uh, you know, God helps him who helps himself, uh, Vernon. And, uh, you know, we, we all have to do our own uh, share of the lifting here. So I don't disagree with what you said. Uh, but by the same token, uh, obviously everything that you put into it uh, has been extremely uh, instrumental uh, as well. Uh, you know, you, you lifted yourself up with the help of God. And you have just really been uh, a, a remarkable inspiration uh, to those of us who know of your story, to know to those of us uh, more privileged yet to know you personally and consider you a friend. So it's really something where I'm looking forward to this uh, as it continues to come along here. And uh, it's been great to be able to trace things over the years with you from, from the first book coming out and us having you on sort of in the infancy of your 
period of talking about your story back in 2011 to right here, uh, almost uh, 10 years later, because it was later in the year in 20, er, 2011 when we had you on. Uh, it's, it's just been a, a great privilege, my friend, just to see it kind of tracing out and uh, how we are going to just look back on this with such joy uh, once the thing is out there and, and once a next chapter of your life opens from there. Well, I'll tell you, even with the, the, the 10 years time that I connected with you guys, yourself and Steve Stowe, uh, it's been one hell of a journey, even with that short amount of time. It's been. So it's I been. am really, yeah, I'm really am looking forward to um, having this thing put out there uh, as far as um, being, in, being able to live in, even in a better position to have an impact in, in every aspect. You know, um, yeah, I, I can never, I guess I'm one of those type of people that, uh, you know, I, I enjoy my career, my professional athletic career, more now than I did when I actually played. Right. When I did play, I played in desperation mode. I was never able to enjoy uh, uh, the things that I was able to accomplish. And I'll be honest with you, I did not realize exactly what I actually accomplished until decades later when I actually sat back and reflected and said, holy crap, I, yeah. did, I pulled that off, I did this, I did that. And I, knew I was, you know, people would send me old clips of me playing, and, and I don't even recognize that person. I really yeah. don't. And the thing is, I, I, I really, truly enjoy my, my career uh, and have a full appreciation for it now. And I didn't realize exactly what I, what I actually pulled off. What people don't understand is that I wasn't that good of a football player. I really wasn't that good of an athlete. I wasn't. I, I, people don't get it. And when they see the film and they see exactly what all that, that transpired, they're going to see, and, and that's one of the other lessons learned. If you truly want it, in your heart of hearts, there are some sacrifices you're going to have to make. But if you truly want it, you can pull it off. Because I pulled off an absolute miracle. Sure. And it'll be, it'll be shown on a big screen, hopefully sooner rather than later. But overall, man, I, 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 can, I have no complaints. I'm, I'm so fortunate. The, 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 the one thing where I would push back on you a little bit is, I mean, I, it's a, the, from what I could see, the biggest problem is you being a tiny, tiny, tiny guy. And you had to bulk just to get to be, you know, on the on the fringes of an acceptable size for the NFL. But, my friend, you, you can't coach speed, okay? You had speed. You were a guy that, uh, you know, when, when, when a team would be playing the Lions, you would be the, you know, scout guy for Barry Sanders, okay? So, I mean, you had speed. I, and I've said this. I know you don't believe me. This is just my perspective. But back in the day, you know, my guy, Eric Metcalf, Meggett, you, like, you guys were kind of a little bit ahead of your game, or ahead of the time, because, you know, scat backs back then, there was a ceiling on you. The one thing, you look at Tampa Bay and Kansas City today, and there's not a ceiling on you if you got speed in today's game. No, and, and the thing with this is that what, what I'm trying to make people understand is that usually, you know, you say I have speed. I, 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 I develop speed. When I got, when I, before going into the NFL, when I made the decision to go into the NFL, the very first day, I wasn't running but four, mid four fives. Okay. I was 175 pounds, and I was running mid four fives. And that was at my, you know, that's my heaviest weight ever at that time. And so I, people would look at me when I made the decision to go to turn, you know, to go pro. They, they humored me. You know, they laughed. They laughed, but at the same time, you can tell, but just by their tone, 
you know, they didn't want to disrespect me because they had respect for me. But they, I can see it in their face. There's no way in hell you're going to be taking it. You know, it's that type of look. But what they didn't understand is that what I was willing to do, what I was willing to put my body through to get where I needed to be. And the great thing about it is that my, my agents gave me the blueprint on what I needed to do to get prepared. And I went beyond what they thought I was, I was going to do. You know, going from mid four fives to mid mid four threes, you just hardly don't do that inside of eight and a half weeks. Right, it's right. Almost, it's, it's almost unheard of. But those are the things that I, people are going to pick up on, and I'm hoping that it'll be a, a, a tool, and they can put in their toolbox that, hey, there's sacrifices to be made to get to where you need to be. And a lot of times, I see these young athletes, they want to cut corners. Right. You can't cut corners. You you gotta pay. You gotta pay your dues. So I'm hoping that's one of the many to, the many lessons learned when they see when they hear about my story. That they sure. That's what I mean by I wasn't that good of an athlete because I wasn't. I really I developed into yeah. something that I can be proud of now. Oh yeah. You know what I mean. Oh yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah. The the, the end result absolutely where you got to. Uh, was definitely really something there, and in that in that limited way, I do stand corrected. You can't coach speed, but in rare instances like yourself, you can get from one point to actually becoming a very fast guy. Uh, most of the rest of us can't uh, do that, but uh, you you found ways, and of course the uh, the training tips of the late great Walter Payton, a hero for yeah. both of us. I know that that was instrumental as well, and uh, you know for uh, for a man who loved the game like uh, good old sweetness. Uh, he's going to be looking down seeing a good one Sunday, isn't he, Vernon? Uh, he's going to look down, and he's probably going to be in in, in, in high steel-toed boots. <laughs> and he, he, he found a heavenly cloud with a hill on it, and he's running with a bandana, a kangaroo bandana on, <laughs> with, his, with his wristband. And he is just, because uh, he, he's even working up there, man. Oh, yeah. And that's just how, yeah, that's how, that's how he is. Um, yeah. My my thing is is uh, it's going to be a great game. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I'm just so happy that I fell back in love with the game of football, and um, I, I love it. I you know, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. And not to mention the fact that one of my former teams, sure, they're playing in the in the, in the city that you know in, in Tampa. They're playing in Tampa. Right. You, you just can't get it any better than that. Oh yeah. Other than them, other than them winning, so uh, we'll see what happens. With yeah. Them. Well, it's uh, it's been a, a a pretty big year for the Tampa Bay area here. Uh, they they had uh, an American League pennant, uh, NHL Stanley Cup being lifted. They go for the Super Bowl here, so they'll we'll see if they can make it two out of three converting in the major uh, sports here. And uh, doesn't look like they're going to uh, match that in the NBA here this year, uh, hosting the Toronto Raptors, the way the Raptors are playing, <laughs> looks like. <laughs> oh, man, I tell you. Uh, it, I, sports really saved our, um, our state of mind under these circumstances with the pandemic. So um, I just want us to finish. I, I want this to be one of the best all-time games. And I, I truly feel it is because of the people that are playing. Yeah, again. And the coaches that are coaching. Like I said, we we can't imagine what the schematics are going to be, but I think we know that it's likely to play out as one of the greatest Super Bowls ever, and it really is going to be something. So, again, there's there's nobody in the world better to break it down with than you, my friend. A game that you've seen at all levels, including, of course, playing at the highest level. So, uh, always a pleasure, Vernon. Thank you so much for being here. Well, thanks for having me, Rick. And, again, you and Steve, 
you guys had me at Hello so anytime. It's always an honor to uh, to be a part of, uh, of, of of your show. And God bless you and enjoy the game. Thank you. I mean, to, on, on Sunday. Thank you. The same to you, uh, Vernon, most uh, definitely. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in to FDH Lounge, mini-episode 1328.